0: Thank you.
1: Listeners and welcome to Ohio Mysteries On behalf of Ohio Mysteries and Ohio Mysteries Backroads I wanted to thank each and every one of you For your continued support you give us week in and week out Now, let's get into the week in review Last Sunday, Paula and I brought you the Haunted Gun in McConnorsville Definitely go back and check that one if you have not Out of any of the haunted objects The creepiest would definitely be a haunted gun Now, moving on to Wednesday, Dan and Mike from Ohio Mysteries Backroads brought us the Ohio connection of four famous voice actors out of Hollywood. None that I have heard of until I heard the characters they voiced. Truly fascinating. Go give Dan and Mike the support they deserve, and they are bringing us fantastic content every Wednesday at 8 p.m. here at Ohio Mysteries. Now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our award-winning journalist who spent 30-plus years telling these kinds of stories at the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss.
0: Hi, everybody. Some time ago, we did an episode on Captain Martin and Anna Bates, real giants pushing eight feet tall, who traveled the world as entertainers with T. Barnum Circus before retiring to Medina County and finishing out their years in Northeast Ohio. If you haven't heard that story, all our episodes, about 500 of them, are available on our website, ohiomysteries.com. Just look for the episodes tab and scroll about. The Bateses were world famous, and yet, if you mentioned giants in Ohio back in the 1800s, Chances are you were discussing something else. Throughout the 19th century, the Buckeye State was acquiring a reputation for being home to a prehistoric race of giants. Over a span of about 100 years, newspapers reported on dozens of strange finds by early settlers. Skeletons of people who measured more than 7 feet, even more than 8 feet tall. In most cases, the skeletons were dug out of the Indian burial mounds that were once prolific throughout the state. Inconveniently, their finders usually said the bones disintegrated at their touch, having been exposed to fresh air after a millennium or more of internment. And so today, there is no physical evidence that their descriptions were accurate. All that remains are newspaper accounts, history books, and personal journals featuring people who swear they witnessed the extraordinary finds. Tonight we're going to pick out a handful of the more interesting reports and see what we can learn. We'll go in chronological order, beginning in the year 1800. before Ohio became a state, back when we were still part of the Northwest Territory. Early settlers were beginning to pour into Ohio, staking their claims here and beginning the process of clearing the forests and building homes and communities. And to this primitive western front came a man named Aaron Wright, who picked out a piece of land in the area we would one day come to call Ashtabula County in Northeast Ohio. According to an account written by Harvey Nettleton in 1844, Aaron Wright was walking the site of his future homestead, making his plans, when he uncovered what turned out to be a massive graveyard. It was on the west side of Conneaut Creek, a mere stream back then, though it would grow to become a pretty important Lake Erie Harbor. Now, People were already excited about the prehistory in Ohio soil. Those extensive earthworks of southern Ohio from Circleville to Marietta were well known. And the Conneaut area had its own collection of Indian mounds. So it's not surprising that the early settlers would be very curious about any unnatural disturbance in the soil. Such was the case of Wright, who began excavating the depressions that he saw, and revealing the final resting places of more than 2,000 souls. Well, this was a revelation. It suggested Cognat was once a veritable metropolis to some prehistoric tribe. The Nettleton account went on to say that the ancient burying grounds measured four acres— And the depressions suggested that there were lots running from north to south in a very neat and orderly laid-out pattern. The lots that were excavated all contained human remains blackened with time, along with artifacts like pottery and crude weapons. Unfortunately, Nettleton's account said the bones disintegrated as soon as they were handled and it became impossible to preserve them. Now, if nothing else, that cemetery with its 2,000 plus inhabitants was already an unprecedented find. But then Nettleton added this. The skeletons were enormous, so large the skulls of some of the folks interred there could have fully encased the head of a modern male, and leg bones suggested heights of more than seven feet. The author indicated that local Indians had been asked about the graveyard and had no idea who was buried there, And that led to the suggestion that the remains weren't Indian at all, but some previously unknown race. These folks are collectively called the Conneaut Giants. Historians say they have not been able to find any manuscript or document or even local lore that gives any clue as to the identity of who was buried there. The mystery intrigued historians for years to come. In 1878, yet another antiquarian, Stephen Pete, wrote about the Conneaut Giants and said this, "...the banks of the Conneaut River had long been the favorite resort of not only the red man of the forest, but of a prehistoric people who, without doubt, dwelt here in the remote past." There is no other spot in the county, and probably but few others anywhere, that abounds in such striking proof of the existence of a powerful and populous people. Now, when you don't have evidence of something, you make room for skepticism. And that came in plentiful supply Many are convinced that the details of this discovery have been embellished with each retelling, with the skeletons growing in size as each generation handed down the story. Before we move on to our next discovery, this is probably a good time to mention that while the Native Americans in Conneaut had no idea who was buried in that cemetery, they themselves have legends about an ancient race of giant people. One is the story of the Renonguatowonka. Here's how it goes When the Great Spirit made people, some of them became giants. They made themselves feared by attacking when most unexpected. After having endured the outrages of these giants for a long time, people finally banded together to destroy them. With a final force of about 800 warriors, they successfully annihilated the abhorrent Renanguatanqua, and there were no giants left anywhere. It is often said that myths and legends start from a small kernel of fact. So, could there have been a tribe with genes that made them extraordinarily tall? In Africa, for instance, there are tribes where the average adult is nearly six feet tall, and other tribes where they average a height of four foot six inches Since a single continent can host cultures with such a wide disparity of size, could that be the case here? Think about that. As we go from 1800, when Aaron Wright made his find, to 1829, when Ohio soil allegedly gave up yet another giant. This time, it was in Chesterville. That's in Morrow County, central part of the state and north of Columbus. Someone there was building a hotel, and in the course of that, dug into a mound. There, they uncovered a skeleton. Not only was it large, once again described as being large enough to fit over a normal man's head, its jaws contained a double row of teeth. I couldn't find an original source for this report, but it has been referenced by numerous texts. And that double row of teeth, well, that's going to become a recurring theme. You'll see. From 1829, we're going to move ahead to 1872 and a discovery in Seneca Township. That's in Noble County in southeast Ohio. There were several mounds in town, and that year some local residents decided to excavate one that locally was called the Bates Mound. Inside, they found some artifacts, a few broken pieces of earthenware, some flint heads, and a couple of stone implements, and the remains of three skeletons. The excavators claimed that the skeletons, when laid out, indicated people who had been about eight feet in height. And, déjà vu, these folks claimed the skulls had an extra row of teeth and that the skeletons disintegrated once exposed to the atmosphere. This event was referenced in several newspaper articles long after 1872. The most contemporary report I could easily locate was in the year 1900, so I don't have an original source, but clearly it is a story that locals continue to tell. Eight years later, in 1880, Muskingum County in East Central Ohio and home to Zanesville joined this distinguished list with a surprising and dramatic development. In Brush Creek Township, a document dated March 3rd of that year recorded the excavation of a mound located on the farm of J. M. Bauman. The mound was 64 feet wide, 90 feet long, 11 feet deep, and flat on top and was located on the summit of a hill above Brush Creek. In it were discovered the bones of men and women, buried together as couples, and the length of their skeletons were judged to exceed eight feet. And that wasn't even the most interesting thing. The excavators also reported finding a large stone tablet inscribed with strange characters. Prehistoric indigenous people, at least in this part of the hemisphere, were not known to have any form of writing, so these hieroglyphic-type etchings were a complete surprise. The tablet measured about a foot square and four inches thick. This tablet no longer exists, but there is a photo illustration in the history of Muskingum County, which was written in 1882 by J.F. Everhart. If it's true, it would be one of the most remarkable artifacts ever found in Ohio. But we are not done with this story, because the find of that tablet unleashed a legal battle. Soon after the tablet was found, Everhart, the author of that county history, was accused of hiring a man named Marshall Cooper to carve the stone, bury it, then dig it up in the presence of reliable witnesses. When Everhart failed to pay Cooper the $15 he promised him for doing this, Cooper sued him, and the jig was up. The stone was a hoax, and people accepted that. For decades, the debate was over. Then, in 1977, the whole thing came up again when Norris Schneider, reporting in the Zanesville Times-Recorder, said he heard from a Dr. Barry Fell of Harvard University who told him he was convinced the tablet was real. He said the writing on the tablet, at least what he could see from the illustration in the county history book, was a rare Arabic script that was discovered after the 1880s, so could not have been faked in 1880. He even translated the writing from the illustration and said it read, Mound to honor Washitar, lamented erected in the name of the lamented by his kin. Schneider, the reporter, said, It was hard to challenge, Dr. Fell. His resume and reputation at Harvard was pretty much unassailable. But it still left the question of why there would be Arabic script in a prehistoric Indian mound. Okay, round two. Name something
1: that's not boring
0: In 1881, while the debate was first raging in Brush Creek, Medina County in Northeast Ohio reported its own unusual find. County workmen reported finding a jawbone of enormous size. They were confident it was human, though it contained an unusual display of teeth and hinted that it would have belonged to a skull that would easily envelop any man's face with ease. Two years later, in 1883, two more counties joined this list of extraordinary discoveries by publishing accounts in their history books. In The History of Marion County, Marion being north of Columbus in central Ohio, The author wrote that construction workers removing a gravel bluff to make way for a road reportedly found hundreds of human skeletons, some of them measuring eight feet or taller. It's possible that history text was referencing an even earlier book. Giants and Dwarves, written by Edward Wood in 1868, said people digging a hill in Marion in the 1860s, discovered 30 skeletons, which ranged in height from 7 to 8 feet. Now, the other text released in 1883 was The History of Brown County. Brown is in southwest Ohio, along the Ohio River, and the author of it wrote a very general description under the title Prehistoric Remains. I'll read you what it said. Mastodonic remains are occasionally unearthed and, from time to time, discoveries of the remains of Indian settlements are indicated by the appearance of gigantic skeletons with high cheekbones, powerful jaws, and massive frame peculiar of the red man who left these as the only record from which to form a clue to the history of past ages. You can see that it's a very general description, and there is no location for what finds he's referencing. Now, we're off to Lucas County in northwest Ohio, when in 1888, a mound excavated near Toledo was revealed to hold about 20 skeletons. This time, maybe I found evidence of how stories get more colorful in each retelling. I looked into this one because later reports, and there are many of them, said these skeletons had jaws and teeth that were estimated to be twice as large as modern-day humans. But when I went back and tried to find an original report, I came across an early account of this particular excavation, which didn't mention an extraordinary size to the skeletons at all. As a matter of fact, future stories that turned these skeletons into giants obscured what was really fascinating about this find. An article in 1895 said the mound excavated was on the farm of Henry T. Niles, who lived on the Bay Shore just outside the Toledo city limits. Mr. Niles and a niece from New York, both lovers of antiquity, decided to excavate the mound on his farm and found the 20 skeletons. The unique thing about them was that they were all in a sitting position in a row facing east. And each person was buried with a piece of pottery, bowls that would hold perhaps a gallon, with edges beautifully rendered in fluted or crimped styles with pictorial images on the side. So, who needed giant skeletons in this story? This was clearly an exceptional find for a very different reason. But that Toledo story was the start of a trend somewhat in northwest Ohio because a few other neighbors followed pretty quickly. On November 18, 1890, it was reported that in Tiffin, Ohio, the seat of Seneca County, workmen excavating a cellar on Webster Street exhumed a mammoth skeleton, suggesting the owner of it was more than seven feet in height. Alas, most of the bones crumbled soon after being exposed to the air and before they could be examined in detail. And then, in 1902, this story ran in several Ohio newspapers featuring a giant found in Bowling Green. That's the seat of Wood County in northwest Ohio. I'll just read it. The skeleton of a prehistoric giant was exhumed near Bowling Green, Ohio, recently by a colored laborer who, terrified by his find, ran breathless to the nearest farmhouse and notified the neighborhood. A large crowd gathered and viewed the peculiar remains, and the huge bones now lie at the home of Charles Whitmer, where people go constantly to see them. The skeleton was placed together as it was in life, measuring nearly nine feet in length. The skull measures almost 12 inches in diameter, and there are two distinct rows of teeth in the massive jaw. The bones are well preserved, with the exception of the pelvic bones, which are considerably decayed. The bones were at first thought to be the remains of some giant Indian, but the shape of the head is not the shape of the skull peculiar to the Indians, and the age in which the man lived is still in doubt. The position in which the skeleton was found is another peculiar feature of the affair. The man must have been squatting or sitting when buried, for the knees were doubled up under the chin as the man appeared in the sandbank from which his bones were dug. Jones struck the skull with his spade, and when he saw it was a human skull against which his shovel scraped, he became frightened and left. The bones of the toes and fingers are remarkably well preserved and appear to have something resembling claws attached. The arms of the giant measure many inches more than those of a human today, and were the lower limbs not so long, the skeleton would bear a close resemblance to a huge gorilla. Well, considering this find was in the 20th century, and the witnesses did not attempt to say the bones evaporated before their eyes, one would hope that skeleton could have been preserved. But if it was, I could find no evidence of such. South Central Ohio also had a spate of reports at the end of the 19th century, The more interesting of these was reported May 5th of 1892 when the Ironton Register in Lawrence County announced the discovery of a massive skeleton featuring a double row of teeth and a jawbone capable of fitting over the head of a man. As reported, a man named S.C. Winkler entered the newspaper office with a basket that contained a skull from one of several skeletons he had accidentally dug up on his farm. That particular skull was from a skeleton that measured nearly nine feet long, he said, and the locals immediately ascribed it as belonging to the race of mound builders, which they were now calling the Adena Giants. Mr. Winkler and his friend from the paper immediately mounted his two-horse express, I'm going to guess that means horse-drawn carriage, and headed toward the farm. The farm had actually originally belonged to Luke Kelly, one of the first settlers of Lawrence County. The men began shoveling, and they uncovered several more human bones, along with pottery and a five-foot-long strand of beads. This one's a bit interesting because in the 1980s, just 40 years ago, modern-day explorers went back to the Luke Kelly homestead and dug again. And sure enough, they uncovered bones, buttons, pottery, coins, and other prehistoric specimens. The Lawrence County Museum is in possession of these items. I couldn't find any indication that the bones found back in the 1980s, anyhow, were revealed to be of extraordinary size. Still, it was interesting to see that there were still things to be found all these years later. Now, if we can trace the start of these discoveries to the year 1800, you could argue that it came to an end in 1904, just over a century later. The last report I could find was April the seventh, 1904, in southwest Ohio's Miami County. News accounts reported that the giant skeleton of a man was unearthed on the Wolverton Farm, a short distance from Tippecanoe City, which later shortened its name to Tip City. The skeleton was one of seven found buried in a circle, their feet all pointed toward the center, but just one of the skeletons was reported to be abnormally large. It was said to measure eight feet— from the top of its skull to its ankles the feet being missing and it was said the skull could have been worn as a helmet over a modern head so were any of these giants real that these folks were discovering skeletons of prehistoric mound builders isn't really in question but were their descriptions accurate Interestingly, these kinds of reports came out of Ohio far more than any other state. You can't help but wonder if it was some sort of fad that maybe in Ohio's formative years, counties were trying to one-up their neighbors, sweeten their histories, and add to reputations that were attempting to lure in new population and more businesses to their corners of the state. Then again... If any of the discoveries were real, it would make sense to have it come to an end at the turn of the 20th century. Ohio would have been well populated by then, developments already having done their work in destroying ancient sites and farmland having been repeatedly tilled by generations. Bradley Leper, historian with the Ohio Historical Society, wrote an article in 2020 saying people have actually accused him and his ilk of hiding the evidence of Ohio's giants. To which he always responds, why on earth would we do that? I agree, it would make no sense. Historians would be just as excited as the rest of us to see such a thing. So... Without physical evidence, true believers of Ohio's giants will have to live on faith alone. Having said that, no story on this topic would be complete without mentioning there actually was a government conspiracy to hide the identity of the state's prehistoric mound builders. Prior to the Revolutionary War, people accepted that the mound builders were American Indians There was no argument about it. But after America became an independent country and sought to expand into the West, our politicians made up a story to justify their insatiable appetite for more land. In 1829, President Andrew Jackson began claiming that the Ohio Mounds were built by an unknown people who were extremely Terminated by the existing savage tribes. Therefore, the United States government was perfectly justified in removing those tribes since they had stolen it from the clearly civilized, non-Indian race of mound builders. This bizarre twist to our history was revisited by Jason Calavito in a book called The Mound Builder Myth, Fake History, and the hunt for a lost white race. This argument, dreamed up by Jackson, was accepted as truth by many for decades. I found articles even at the end of the 1800s still referring to mound builders and even the giants as a lost tribe of Israel or aliens or anything other than Native Americans. So, the fact that the government can and has manufactured lies about the mound builders, well, let's just say it's enough to keep fueling theories about a race of giants once calling Ohio home.
1: That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to ohiomysteries.com. Also, for more shows like ours... Head on over to killerpodcasts.com. We are a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War. But half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World